1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis of all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the gold dome. And today we're going to talk to a trio of Atlanta journal constitution reporters who have basically lived at the Capitol the last couple of weeks, covering some of the biggest bills pending in the Georgia General Assembly. We're talking airport takeover, voting machines, and sweeping changes to the state's abortion laws. Our first guest is AJC Airline, Delta, Airport, everything involving aviation reporter, Kelly Amanucci. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, you've had a very busy time. Uh, your, your beat doesn't always intersect with the Capitol, more with City Hall, but lately it's been a lot of Capitol coverage, hasn't it?
2: Yes, indeed. It's been it's been interesting.
1: Yeah. So about uh, a week or so ago, the Senate, for the first time in decades, passed uh, legislation that would basically paved the way for a state takeover of Atlanta's Crown Jewel, the Atlanta Airport. And now that bill has moved over to the House. It was a very tense, um, fraught vote, but basically along party lines. And um now that bill faces a more uncertain future in the in the Georgia House, doesn't it?
2: It does indeed. Uh there was a uh there was a pretty strong vote in favor along party lines in the Senate, um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in the
1: House. We've heard from House Speaker David Ralston, who's said in several different interviews that he understands why proponents want the state to take over the airport, but he needs to see a better case that has to go beyond the ongoing federal corruption trial probe into City Hall and fraud at the airport um, and in in other departments. He needs to see something more than that. Um, what do you think that means?
2: Well, I think that he is probably looking for something that explains why the state could run the airport better than the city, uh, I think that there's been a lot of uh, news about the federal investigation into city hall and contracting, and uh, that's one of the things that has prompted the bill to get as far as it has. Um, is one question is, um, uh, would an authority structure be better to run the airport, and would the state be better to run the airport than the city?
1: And there's two kind of fascinating protagonists in this in this story. It's Senator Burt Jones from Jackson, Georgia, kind of middle Georgia, uh, a rural conservative uh, who used to play at UGA, used to play UGA football, uh, very popular in his chamber, was thought of as a potential candidate for higher office last year before he passed. He's been the chief proponent on the, on the Senate side of this legislation, has really made it his calling card this year and last year as well. And on the other side of the debate is Mayor, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, who has put everything into trying to defeat this bill.
2: Yes. Um, and it's, it's interesting because this bill and this effort didn't come out of nowhere, of course, uh, because Burt Jones uh, held a study committee with a series of meetings last year where they called city officials... Uh, to come and speak and talk about the airport bonds, talk about how the airport is structured, and um, and also heard from people who have filed suit against the city in the past over airport contracts. And so there, there was a lot of uh, information that they heard. Um, and then at the end of the study committee meeting, the committee drew up a report that recommended that uh, an airport authority would be the best model to go forward with. And that's uh, what uh, led to the bill this year.
1: What's interesting to me is how this underscores the changing dynamic and in, in the relationship between City Hall and in the Georgia Capitol. When Governor Deal was in office, this thing was DOA. I mean, it never achieved liftoff at all. He pretty much made sure that it was grounded um, but before it even became uh, got to a vote. I mean, he leaked documents. He forcefully said that he would veto any such proposal. He, he allied himself with Delta, which was also against this bill. Governor Kemp has played a much more neutral role, hasn't he?
2: Right. It's interesting because I think that has um, kind of contributed to the d- dynamic that we see in the legislature right now. Um, what do you think might be behind the reason why Governor Kemp hasn't uh, been as vocal as Governor Deal was?
1: Well, he's had a frostier relationship with with Mayor Bottoms, certainly than deal had with Bottoms and, and her predecessor, Kasim Reed. Um, they had a very famously close relationship, whereas Kemp and Bottoms clashed on the campaign trail. They tried to make nice after he won the election. But, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of put that aside. Um, at the same time, he hasn't told her behind the scenes that he would veto the bill. And in interviews with us, he's also said something similar. He said, well, I'm, I'm still weighing it. I'm still considering it, which is the stance he takes with a lot of legislation. But it is a notable contrast to the stance Deal did, because even when this was before this was even a, 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 an introduced legislation, Deal came out forcefully against it. So it's a very contrasting style. It still might mean it doesn't go anywhere, but it also shows you that how different that relationship is between the city and the state.
2: Right. And there's certainly a lot of anxiety uh, among city officials, city council members, and, uh, and a lot of people who, uh, who work with the city about what might happen. And so I don't think that there's a feeling that it's a sure thing that the city will retain control of the airport. It's still something that, that they're very much concerned about.
1: We've only got a few days left before the April 2nd end of the legislative session. What are you watching the next couple of weeks?
2: Um well I am uh, well, I'll be interested to see what the house does and um and uh where it goes in committee and I'm also uh keeping in close touch with what the city is doing um and what their strategies are uh uh in uh, in discussions with the state bert jones has said that his door is open if the city wanted to uh propose uh an alternative governance model um that would be some type of compromise but the city hasn't really shown any uh interest or willingness to to consider such a counter-proposal. The, the city wants to retain uh, control of Hartsville-Jackson as it is. So um, I'm not sure if anything will change there. It may be uh, uh, mainly a legislative uh, fight, but it'll be interesting to see what happens.
1: Yeah, the mayor, state of the city it's a weird phrase, but the mayor state of the city, uh, last week, um, she created, uh, she, she introduced a plan to create a new state department of transportation, which doesn't really have too much to do with the airport. Um, but also pointedly noted to a standing ovation, I should add, uh, that the city has run the airport for decades, that it has run the busiest airport and the most, and what she says, the most efficient airport in the nation, um, for, for the better part of the last two decades. So that got a big ovation. There's many Democrats in the room. And, uh, I heard also that Governor Kemp uh, met with her shortly before that speech, too. So there's a lot of moving pieces here. We'll keep an eye on it. And now I'm joined by the AJC's government reporter, Mark Nisi, who has had a ridiculously busy spate of a few days uh, with this voting legislation that, as you wrote, pits cybersecurity experts against local elections officials with a healthy dash of politics in between. Tell us about this bill.
3: Well, it reached the finish line of the legislative process this week as Now it's heading to Governor Brian Kemp for his expected signature. Uh, The bill completed the process after lots of debate about how to best keep Georgia's elections secure from tampering or hacking, with some people saying electronic machines could be messed with or results could be changed. And just as strongly on the other side, people said paper ballots could be an avenue for rigging elections. And in the end, we're ending up with this kind of hybrid system that will use touch screens like we currently have, but they'll print out paper ballots that can be checked and audited for recounts and to verify the accuracy of election results.
1: And it's a hundred fifty million dollar system. We're not sure who the uh, you know who the bidders wh- wh- which 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 system we actually end up using, which bidder we actually the state ends up uh, accepting. But it's going to be about hundred fifty million dollars to start off with in the state's budget. And Georgia would become the first state in the nation to use this type of electronic uh, 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 and printed ballot hybrid you talked about in all precincts, right?
3: That's right and part of that is because Georgia is one of the few states in the country that has a statewide election system. Most of the country has different election systems depending on where you go from county to county but Georgia does have this unified voting system for all voters in the state and we've had that here in Georgia since it went to electronic voting in 2002. So what's next is after Governor Kemp signs the bill Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger will put a contract up for bid for these voting companies to submit um, their proposals for what voting equipment we will use in the state and it could be up and running for test runs as soon as this November for municipal elections.
1: And elections in the past in Georgia, election election legislation about, about voting system has always been a contentious matter. But this year, it seems to be even more um, in, in those and le- in in those bills that passed both the House and Senate. There was very, very, very few people who broke party lines. I think in the House, there was only one, per- one Democrat and one Republican who crossed party lines to vote either for or against the bill. And Stacey Abrams and her group, Verified Action, have been vigorously fighting it. Why do Democrats and and their allies have such concerns with this legislation?
3: A lot of the reason Democrats are concerned about this election legislation is it dates back to the election of last year when they saw problems that voters encountered, from long lines to voter registration cancellations to some voting machines that reportedly recorded votes incorrectly with people trying to vote for Stacey Abrams and their votes being changed to Brian Kemp because of calibration errors with the touch screens and voters had to cast new ballots to make sure they got it right. Election officials often said, well, you have long fingernails and it's causing you to tap the wrong part of the screen for example and so that fueled a lot of suspicions about the integrity and trustworthiness of election systems and caused democrats to try to go with a system that is filled out by hand with a pen on paper ballots that they could then return and they feel like that's the way to avoid any of these machine and computer errors that were experienced with georgia's current election system and on the other side you have republicans saying look yes we need a paper record but the system georgia has and has been using for the last 17 years of electronic voting for the most part it works and people are happy with it uh, with some exceptions and they want to continue what georgia is accustomed to but also add a paper ballot and a paper trail as a way to check results and give an extra layer of security.
1: The other big concern that's loomed large uh, throughout this debate is the exact cost of the system. There's $150 million in the budget um, for, for a new voting system, but we're not re- really sure how, lo- how, how much money the long-term cost will be uh, for the system, the update, the, the maintenance, um, you know, all, all the, all the uh, equipment required. Uh, so tell us the status of that.
3: So we'll find out the cost. Um, Legislators and the secretary of state's office feel confident that $150 million will be enough, at least for the initial purchase of the voting system. And it will be competitively bid among anywhere from six to 10 voting machine vendors that do business nationwide in the United States could submit bids. And they who knows how much that'll come in at estimates range anywhere from 120 million up to above 200 million Um, again elected officials in Georgia feel confident that 150 million is enough for the initial purchase but after that there will be annual licensing fees there will be maintenance costs there will be ongoing training costs there will be cost of buying a election and new election administration and registration system because it isn't just voting machines there's a lot of other hardware and computers that goes along with that. So we'll find out more when voting companies submit their bids, but there could well be additional costs to the system in the future.
1: First, Governor Kemp has to sign the bill. We, we we have no doubt he will, and he supported the overall measure, the overall switch to to this new system of of, of electronic machines that spit out um, ballots. Um, but what's got not gotten a little bit less attention, not in your stories, but in general overall, has all the other changes this makes to the voting system um, that that brought up such that were triggered by lawsuits and brought up so much controversy last year during the election. Can you talk a little bit about all the other changes this bill enacts?
3: Absolutely. This bill isn't just about voting machines. It really is a broad rewrite of Georgia's election laws, dealing with everything from how people vote to how votes are counted and voter registration and voter purges. So some of the other parts of the bill, it requires audits of elections and that means going back to the paper ballots and looking at them and counting them by hand in select precincts and if the problems are found those audits could be expanded to other areas. People who are endangered of, of having their voter registrations cancelled because they haven't voted for seven or eight or nine years will get a notification at least 30 days before the registration is canceled There will be a longer period of time before people's registrations can be canceled. It's currently say about six or seven years that'll reach, as I said, probably more like eight or nine years, depending on the timing of election cycles. There will also, Georgia will participate in this multi-state project to exchange information about when voters move from state to state and that information could be used to Cancel voter registrations once they are found to have moved out of Georgia. Um, another change, it requires that no county can close or make changes to a polling place more than within 60 days of a primary or general election. Automatic recounts are currently allowed for any candidate in any race where the margin of victory or defeat is less than one percentage point. That would shrink, so there would be less automatic recounts, and those would only be allowed when the margin of victory or defeat is less than half a percentage point. And one other thing that became controversial Mm -hmm. is the bill changes the number of voting machines for to one machine per 250 voters instead of one machine per 200 voters and some democrats said that'll lead to longer lines republicans said no it won't lead to longer lines because with these new voting machines they'll be able to put in be able to be used for both early voting and for election day voting so really you'll have more machines on election day according to them we'll see how that plays out as well
1: and all these changes when they're signed into law by Governor Kemp later on this, this spring, um, they'll have an early test in November, this new voting system with, with some municipal elections, right? But but the big test will be next year for a presidential election. This is a, a very tight time frame to roll all this stuff out.
3: That's right. And the Secretary of State's office and Governor Kemp, I believe, want this system in place in time for the 2020 presidential primary. And The state hasn't yet set a date for the 2020 presidential primary. You'll recall that Georgia participated and led the move to the SEC primary in the last presidential election cycle, which put Georgia and several other states in the South out at the front of voting. And that may well be the case, but that might be contingent on Georgia being prepared to roll out these 27,000 voting machines across the state available for all of the state's 7 million voters, which is a lot of work to get done in just about a year's time.
1: Mark, the Secretary of State's office has its hands full, and so will you, keeping us informed about all these changes. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Sure thing. Thanks for having me.
1: Now we're joined by Maya T. Prabhu, who has been covering the abortion legislation debate since the very beginning. And and Maya, this has taken some twists and turns. Um, Just a few weeks ago, it looked like Georgia was going to pass something called the trigger bill that would have, if Roe v. Wade was overturned, it would have allowed Georgia to restrict abortions with another vote. Now we're taking a a different step.
4: Yeah, so now it looks like the um, abortion-focused legislation that's uh, going to... Uh, at least advance pretty far, if not become law, um, would outlaw most abortions uh, once a doctor can detect a heartbeat in the womb, Um, and medical experts say that's usually around six weeks. Current law allows abortions to be performed until about 20 weeks. Um, so this would be much more restrictive. There are a couple of exceptions um, where you could still receive an abortion after six weeks, and that would be um, in instances of rape, incest, if the life of the mother is um, in jeopardy, or um, if the fetus wasn't
1: um, viable. And this was a debate. It did not look like the legislature was going to have, because a couple of weeks ago when, when Governor Kemp came out in support of the trigger bill, it looked like a way to to you know make uh to embolden conservatives to make them uh to keep his promises to pass the nation's strictest abortion rules without going to take taking this step um but then on crossover day the morning of crossover day governor kim came out not just not just in support but forcefully in support of this abortion legislation and um basically uh forced a vote in the state house Speaker Ralston shortly after said, okay, I've got to let my members vote on this. And it was a very, very emotional, intense debate.
4: Yes. You know, I think a lot of the folks in the anti-abortion crowd, while they appreciated uh, Governor's, Governor Kemp's move uh, for a trigger law, felt like it wasn't going far enough. They, they wanted mm-hmm. something that was much more restrictive immediately, um, as opposed to uh,
1: waiting on
4: the, you know, U.S. Supreme Court to do something.
1: Which may or may not do anything, right? I mean, if the Supreme Court doesn't act, then there are no new restrictions in Georgia. Um, But this would enact some pretty sweeping restrictions with only a few exceptions, and those are for incest, rape, medical futility, and the, the health of the mother. Um, so this would be a pretty far-reaching far legislation, and it passed the House pretty narrowly. It was about, what was it, 93, 73?
4: It was a pretty close vote, and there were several um, lawmakers who either had excused absences or um, just didn't vote when,
1: when the vote was called. Yeah, we had um, two Republicans vote against it. Uh, one of them, Deborah Silcox, in, who, who, who's in a very um, swingy district in in Sandy Springs, I mean, could be a vulnerable um, House incumbent next year. She gave a very emotional speech talking about why she was going to oppose it. And one Democrat, Mac Jackson, a Sandersville uh, pastor, um, also uh, voted for it. And his caucus, Democrats are already trying to target him. So that just gives you an idea of how divisive, and uh and fraught this this entire debate is and then it moved over to the senate hasn't had a vote there yet but you were at a hearing the other day that went on for what three or four hours um about this bill and 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 outside the senate hearing room there were protesters there was talk about the scene because that was something like I've never seen before
4: yeah uh they had um the the hearing was scheduled for 3, at 2 o'clock they had bomb dogs come in, you know, they emptied the room, they had bomb dogs come into the room, make sure there was no bombs, and they had everyone you know well over 100 maybe close to 200 people who came for the hearing um in support and i would say the folks who showed up were mostly against but there were a lot of supporters there as well of the legislation um in the hallway packed around the doors um, until three o'clock when they opened the doors and even then uh Capitol Police were letting folks in one at a time. I think there was some shoving in the hallway. There was a bullhorn ho- bull and yelling. But once folks got into the room, it was very respectful throughout the hearing. Very, uh, Everyone kind of abided by uh, Chairwoman Renee Untermans. She laid out the rules at the very beginning. You know, she wasn't going to tolerate outbursts or booing or applauding. But in the hallway, uh, it was a different story because the... Um Hearing was being broadcast on televisions outside right outside the room, so folks in the hallway could hear what was going on, and there would be moments of um, laughing and applause and cheering, depending upon what the folks who were testifying said inside the room
1: and that you could clearly hear through those through those doors and through those walls at one at one point. Uh, one of the, the I think it was the chairwoman, chair, Republican Senator Renee Andman um asked the the security officers if there was a way they could they could kind of tamp down the noise. So um, it, that just shows you there's not that many uh, uh, hearings in the state capitol that get this this much of a crowd. And there was protesters wearing pink, pink uh, pla- planned parenthood outfits. There were some wearing red outfits from uh, Handmaid's Tale, which is the the Hulu series about a repressive the- theocrat. A state uh, state government that takes over uh, America. So there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of um, fierce opposition, uh, as well as you, you mentioned, some some very uh, ardent supporters to this legislation.
4: Yeah, the, they had sign up sheets that were people who were speaking in support and people who were speaking against, they went through all of the supporters. Um, Senator Unterman was going to limit each uh, side to an hour Um, but the supporters got through in about 45 minutes and then they the opponents spoke for an hour and when she asked staff how many people were still signed up I believe she said there were still 40 people who hadn't spoken yet and um, she was able to get through them all she ended up allowing them to continue to speak um, and everyone who everyone who showed up and signed up to speak was able to, to voice their opinion
1: so what happens now? That was a hearing. Senate committee will presumably vote on the bill and it could reach the Senate floor in the next couple of days, right?
4: Yeah. So, uh, chairman Unterman said that she would accept, uh, Amendments throughout the weekend of folks who want to make changes to the bill and then um, meet with Leadership including lieutenant governor Duncan and the Republican caucus to find out what the next steps will be Um, committee days um, We're we're getting toward the end of session. So now they have designated committee days She's waiting to get guidance on when the next hearing will be um, If they will be taking a vote in committee at that hearing and and advancing the bill, and um, then eventually get it to the floor before the April second uh, last day of session.
1: And we have Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan also supports this bill. So let's presume that it gets through committee. It gets on the floor of the Senate. It passes the Senate in a very uh, in a party line vote. It goes to back to the house. the house the house uh, signs off on it again. Let's just presume all that. you know it might not happen. let's just assume it. Um, it goes to Governor Kemp, who has given it its unequivocal support. He signs in the law, But if that happens, it doesn't necessarily mean abortions are suddenly outlawed in Georgia, right? What, 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 I mean, there's legal action that will be taking effect immediately to 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 block this law from taking force.
4: Yeah, opponents have vowed to sue, you know, as soon as they can if this um bill becomes law, and similar measures are are you know, in limbo across the country um, Mm -hmm. as they work their way through the legal system.
1: So I guess the end game for some of the supporters is they know that this this law could very well uh, be blocked in the courts. But what, they want to become, they want Georgia to become a test case uh, for Roe v. Wade, right? I mean, is that some of the debate you're hearing?
4: Yeah, Georgia supporters of the bill feel as though, this version is the one that could overturn Roe versus Wade. They feel as though they're, the bill here is, is is strong enough and the makeup of the courts in Georgia is conservative enough to um, elevate them
1: to the Supreme Court where they could get a win. And they've also got a little bit of wind on their backs because uh, of Brett Kavanaugh, um, he, his appointment last year, Shook up the balance of the court, gives conservatives the edge, and so this is why abortion opponents feel like they have more reason than ever to to start pushing these bills more forcefully. And one of the reasons I think too why why Governor Kemp has has fully embraced it.
4: Yeah, I think as soon as Justice Kennedy announced that he would be retiring, um, folks in the anti-abortion camp started, you know, brainstorming and figuring out. how they could um, get a piece of legislation into the court system and and work its way up the ranks to the Supreme Court.
1: Well, Maya, thank you for joining us. And we'll be watching and following your reporting these next couple of weeks because you're going to be very, very busy. Very, very busy. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening.
0: Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song